Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 2. Children's Church can be dismissed at this time. 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. As you're turning there, I do want to say as we're recording, and uh, we've got a lot of, lot of people out, and so we want to make sure that we've got the podcast going. And I don't really ever say this on the podcast, and we've got some folks that don't even go to church here that listen. So I want to give them an opportunity to be able to give. If you want to text to give, there's always that option. You can text the word give to 662-301-9606. Again, you can text the word give to 662-301-9606. If you're here in person and you've got your bulletin, you can scan the QR code or um, the uh, link to the online giving is on our Facebook page if you want to do that. The book of 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 1, we're returning there. Uh, as I told you last week, uh, we started a, a, a two-parter, I guess you could call it a series, a mini-series if you will. We're going back there today, 2 Kings chapter 2, going to begin in verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yeah. If you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. As we're here in 22, we continue on our year-long theme of 100 
in 22. We want to give God in this 100th anniversary of this church, I believe God wants us to give him 100% of who we are and what we have. And so today I want to continue on this subject of pursuit of the anointing. Would you stretch your hands this way and ask for God to anoint me? And I'm going to do the same for you. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for every person in this building. I thank you for every person listening, Lord, by podcast. And I pray, Lord, for them that you'd open their hearts, their minds, their spirits. God, that they'd be open and receptive, that the word of God would fall onto good ground and bring forth a mighty harvest. And I pray that you'd help me today. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do. I can't do this on my own, but I desire your anointing today. Lord, give me a double portion, Lord, of your anointing to do what you've called me to do. Lord, let me preach like a man from another world, Lord. I thank you and I praise you for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody in the house said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated here. Here this morning. If you'd like, I'm not going to repeat because I preached it last Sunday, but you can go back. The podcast is available and gave you a little bit of introduction, talked about the call of Elisha, and I began with some of the steps of his pursuing the anointing. But I told you this week in the second part of this message, I want to begin and look at the places that he went. How many of you know that God takes us to specific places at specific times for specific reasons? And sometimes those places we go, we are sent there so that we can do something there, change something there. But I believe usually 99% of the time, even if there's something God wants us to go and change there, there's something there that God wants to use to change us. You know, a lot of times we get so super spiritual and we think, well, you know, God is sending me to do this. God wants me. And very well, God may is probably wanting to use you to do something, but God is also wanting to use that to change something in you. So I want us to look at the places that they went this morning. We find the fact that opportunities did not shake Elisha's resolve in pursuing this double portion, this anointing that was on the life of Elijah, his mentor. Every time they passed through a city, Elijah even attempted to get Elisha to stay. Now, I can't imagine how the response would be to me as a pastor if I did this and said, you know, the Lord is calling us to go deeper, but you better just stay right here. The Lord wants, you know, there's more. God has more. There's more anointing. There's more power, but you better just stay right here. But Elijah did that, didn't he? Even Elijah, every time that him and Elisha came to a place, Elijah said, why don't you just stay right here? God is calling me to go further, but you just stay right here. But this was not an effort on his part to hinder Elisha's progress. It was really designed to test 
his resolve. You see, Elijah knew that Elisha was going to face some things, some pretty difficult things in his life and in his ministry. And if all it took was just a little bit of, hey, why don't you just stay right here, don't come on, to stop him, he would never make it to where God truly wanted him to be and what Elisha truly would eventually ask for and what was that? A double portion of the anointing that was on Elijah's life. Of course, each of these four places that we look at mentioned here, they have special place in the heart of the Jew, and they would have made a pleasant stopping place for Elisha. They were opportunities for him to just stop and just simply settle down. Now, you're going to hear me mention this several times throughout this message this morning, and it's not because I don't have anything else to say, but because I know us as people, and I've read enough, and I know that we've got to hear things sometimes three and four and five, and for some of us that are more hard-headed, 17 or more times, come on somebody, before it really sinks in to us. And so what I want us to see is that on our journey and on our pursuit as we're here in the year 2022 and we're talking about being 122, pursuing God with 100% of us, wanting everything 100% of what God has for us, there will be opportunities along the way for us to just kind of sit down and settle at one place. But when God has something more for us and wants us to go further, Further, we've got to learn not to just simply settle and quit at that place, but to continue to pursue what he has for our lives. These four cities are made clear by the instruction of Elijah to Elisha in demanding that he be with him when he is raptured. You see, it was clear in the end of this story, Elijah said, if you want this thing, Elisha, that you asked for, it's a difficult thing. But hey, aren't you glad that even with difficult things, they're with God, nothing is impossible. We go on later on into the New Testament, we find where Jesus begins to talk about some of that. And he said, hey, I'm not going to deny that this is hard. It's a difficult thing. But thank God we with God, all things are possible. And Elijah had said, boy, you've got to be with me. You can't, you got to be looking up. You got to be, there is so much in this. I really, I could preach this for about seven weeks if I would. And I'm going to try because I want you to get all this this morning, but you've got to be looking. You've got to be watching. You've got to have your eyes on me. And we know in the old Testament sense of this, it was Elijah was the representation of God, of Jesus. Can I remind us here on this first First Sunday of 2022, we have got to keep our eyes focused and fixed on Jesus Christ. Don't you let the COVID numbers take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't you let the economy take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't let what your doctor says get you to take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't let the problems in your home, the problems in your marriage, the problems in your job, the problems all swirling around you. Do not let those things take your eyes off of Jesus because Elijah said if you want 
want this thing that you ask for. It is hard, but it's not impossible. Listen, folks, I need you to hear me today. I'm preaching as your pastor. I need you to know that if you want this double portion, if you really want to pursue everything that God's got for you, I'm not going to act like it's easy. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be times of trial and times of frustration. But if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus, I'm telling you nothing is impossible with God. Give him praise if you believe that this morning. So it was apparent in the instruction of Elijah at the end that it was necessary that Elisha do go on to all of these places because if he was going to receive that double portion, he had to be there when Elijah was taken. And each city had a significant relationship to obtaining this double portion. First place they go, number one, if you're taking notes, is Gilgal. Now this is the starting place. Gilgal in the Hebrew means a wheel to roll, to remove, to roll away. You see, Gilgal is the place where the flesh is cut away. I'm going to say that one more time. Gilgal is the place where the flesh is cut away. If you go back to the book of Joshua chapter 5, you find that Gilgal was the place where God demanded that all males in Israel be circumcised. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Verse 9 of chapter 5 of the book of Joshua. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt, so that place has been called Gilgal to this day. The very naming of the place was in relation to the fact that that is where all of the males that had not been circumcised that had been that had been kind of gotten away from as they were there in Egypt and it was necessary to be certain. Now I'm not going to get gross with this, but I do have to look at the spiritual significance of the circumcision. You see, this is the place where we supernaturally were born again. We were saved from Egypt a type of the world and we are circumcised no longer in our flesh like they were then but we are circumcised in the heart and as we are circumcised in our heart it means to have that double portion it means that we must die and cut away our flesh you see, used to, in, in, in the old church, in the Pentecostal church, we used to talk about things like holiness. We used to talk about things like sanctification. We used to preach about things like living right and not living in sin. But we don't do that quite as much as we used to. But can I remind us this morning, if we truly want to be 122, if we truly want to pursue what God has for us, that we must be willing to stop by Gilgal and allow God Almighty spiritually to cut away that flesh from our inside. We must be circumcised in the heart. We must be willing to say, God, I don't want an attachment to this old flesh. I don't want to be controlled by my flesh. I don't want my human desires. I don't want my human wants. I don't want this flesh to control me. I want the Spirit of Almighty God to be the one that controls me and leads me and directs my paths. I'm going to keep moving. Gilgal is the place of the circumcision. Number two, they went to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Now, one of our most significant times that we see this place is in the book of Genesis. 
chapter 28. The Bible tells us this, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. There is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone that he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil on it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God. So here at Bethel, we find that we have the experience in the presence of Almighty God. This is a wonderful thing. You go back and read the whole story. If you went to Sunday school, how many of you remember, uh, and still, honestly, it's one of those things that in Sunday school I didn't quite comprehend it all but I, you read that story and you learn about Jacob's ladder it was here at Bethel that Jacob is there and he's asleep and he sees this vision and he sees this stairway and there's angels going up and angels coming down he, he has a revelation of what's going on in the spiritual realm church can I just remind us today that I know we get so caught up in the flesh that we forget about that God has got all kinds of stuff going on in the spiritual realm that these fleshly eyes just can't see and cannot comprehend. Can I tell you, I believe that right here in our midst, there are angels. I believe what the Bible said. The Bible told me that the angel of the Lord is encamped about them that fear him. I believe right now, listen, I don't know about y'all, I serve him and I fear him and I believe God's got angels around me protecting me. I believe, I know most of y'all and I know, I believe you love the Lord and I believe that there there's angels going. I believe that there is spiritual warfare going on all around us that our natural eyes just don't see. It's here that we experience the presence of God. But here I'm going to say it. I told you I'd repeat it a whole lot. But we can't just park here. We'd like to just sit down and be like, ooh, Bethel. Mm, I like this. Bethel, the presence of the Lord. I can see the angels coming and going and, you know, what a, what a powerful place this is. And I've reached this place. I'm happy with where I am right now. I don't really see any point of pursuing. But listen, if you stay here, you will not receive the promise of the Father. You see, it was necessary to go to Bethel. It was necessary to stop at Bethel. But if they had just simply stopped at Bethel, they would have never gotten to the place that God had for them. i got to keep moving. Number three, we find Jericho. Now, you know, most of you know about Jericho. Jericho was the first city that was taken in the conquest of the promised land. But here's what I want you to get this morning. Jericho is the place where God demands all. The book of Joshua 6, 19, he says, Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. I'm about to throw it out there. And I know some of you are going to be like, Oh, I knew the preacher would have to get on this at some point first of the year. Jericho was the first fruits of their conquest of Canaan. And God said, I want all 
of the first fruits. The first fruits belong to me. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the tithe. You begin to study about the tithe, and the tithe, the tenth, is also referred to as the first fruits. You see, the Lord said, I want the first ten percent. I don't want you left over. I don't want you blind. I don't want you lame. I don't want all of the leftover garbage you have. He said, I want the first fruit belongs to me. Give me the first. You know what happened. You see, somebody got greedy. A man named Achan in Jericho in Joshua chapter 7 verse 1. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of the dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. You see, Jericho is the place of testing. Every time I get a paycheck, every time you get a paycheck, the Lord puts a test in our hands and says, will you be faithful to the first fruit to give it back to me? Y'all stop shouting quite as loud as you were earlier. You see, obeying God even if it doesn't appear it will benefit you at the time, is submitting to his lordship. You see, sometimes the things that God asks us to do appear crazy in the flesh and in the natural. Sometimes the Lord will tell us to do things, and it seems just like this is not going to help me at all. This is going to hinder me. Some people say, I just don't, I can't afford to give 10% to the church. Can I tell you something about this? When you give the 10%, then the 90% that you have becomes blessed by the Lord. And can I just remind somebody, I would way rather try to live on blessed 90% than try to live on cursed 100%. You see, when you decide that you're going to follow him and you're going to submit, to his lordship and say, God, I trust you for this. I'm going to submit to your lordship. Then God's plan is always the best for you. Can I just remind you of a man named Abraham? The Lord gave him a promise. You're going to be the father of many nations. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to bless you. He said, look up there at the stars of the sky. All those stars, your descendants are going to be that many. The sand on the seashore, they're going to be that many. And so finally at 100 years old, God finally gives him a child. And what does God ask? Sacrifice him. The Lord asked Abraham for Isaac, the first fruit, the first. Now, we know, of course, what happened. Through that, the Lord did what? He became Jehovah Jireh. It was the first time that we find that name of God mentioned in the Bible. And there on the mountain, the Abraham as the ram is there in the thicket. Abraham begins to call him and for the first time declares him as Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Can I stop for just a second and say this? Could you get your mind off of, oh, the pastor just wants money. The church just wants money. Can you shift your mind to this? God said, Abraham, give me Isaac. And when he was willing to give him what? he had God didn't even take that ended up not even taking that from him Abraham discovered in the 
time that he gave that he was Jehovah Jireh. If you want to discover that God is Jehovah Jireh, it's not going to be in a time where you're being greedy. If you want to discover that God is Jehovah Jireh, it will not be in a time where you're being selfish. If you want to discover God is Jehovah Jireh, it's going to be a time where you're willing and you say, I will give God all that he demands. I'm going to keep on moving. I can tell y'all aren't liking that one. Number four, we find that they arrive at the Jordan. Jordan in Hebrew, I'm probably not pronouncing this right, is the word Yarden, the descender. And in Arab, it's Naeshara, the watering place. You see, Jordan is the place of humility and brokenness. It was here that Jacob wrestled with the angel all night long. He had heard that his brother Esau was coming to kill him. He had an army assembled and was on his way to kill him. He had sent out offerings ahead of himself to try to soften Esau's heart, but he knew that he was helpless and defendless. He, he, he was a rich man, but he was just a family man. He had servants, and he had cattle, and he had sheep, and he had family, but he didn't have warriors, and he knew his brother Esau did. His brother was a fighter. His brother was a warrior and Jacob was terrified when he heard that Esau was on the way and so he had sent out all of these parties with gifts and all of this to soften Esau's heart and when he found himself by himself he was there at the Jordan River and we find that it was there by himself at the Jordan River while he was afraid that he had an encounter with God that would leave him different than he was before. You see, Jordan is the place of desperation. It was Jordan where, where Jacob had done everything he possibly could, sent all the gifts, sent all the greeting parties, but he was still by himself. He was still waiting, and it was there where he encountered the Lord. And the Bible said that he began to wrestle with this man, which we know was the Lord. And they wrestled all night long until Genesis 32 and 26, then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob, for your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. You see, we find before that verse that I read to you, he had been wrestling. And the Bible said that God touched his hip and his hip comes out of socket, and he'd have a limp for the rest of his life. But we find something very interesting, that even after the injury, he continued to wrestle with God. God had hurt him seemingly. God had changed him. He had an injury, but yet he would not quit. You see, God dropped this in my spirit just this morning that I need to talk to somebody. I hope somebody here in this building or somebody listening on podcast is listening to me. Do not let a hurt keep you from pursuing the Lord. 
Do not let hurt keep you from following after God. Jacob got hurt. Jacob was injured. And Jacob could have quit wrestling with God. But Jacob refused to quit pursuing God. Can I just talk to some church folks? Listen, if a pastor has hurt you somewhere over the years, please do not let that hurt keep you from pursuing God. Listen, if somebody, if a pastor has hurt you, if a church member has hurt you, please don't let that hurt keep you from pursuing God. Jacob was hurt. Jacob was injured. But Jacob continued to wrestle with God until finally God changed his name and blessed him and turned him from a deceiver to a prince. Don't let hurt keep you from pursuing God. You see, we face the same obstacles in our pursuit of the anointing. There are far too many believers that spend their entire Christian lives at Gilgal. They never grow and they never leave the place of beginnings. Now, some of you may not like this, some of you, but I, I, I can't help it. We have done a great misdeed in the church when we have portrayed the idea, if you'll just pray this one prayer, just ask Jesus into your heart, and he'll save you, and then you're good to go forever. i, I got to be careful here. This is not really what I want to really dig into too much, but I'm, I'm going to hit the surface here. Listen, I've sat in those funerals knowing they didn't live for the Lord. But a preacher get up there and say, well, you know, it was 10 years ago that they came down to an altar and bowed their knee and gave their heart to the Lord. They live like the devil. Now, they didn't say that. They live like the devil the rest of their life, but they pray. Listen, I, I cannot help it. Get mad at me. Turn me off. Whatever you want to do. I can't read this book right here and find anywhere that God says, why don't you just pray one prayer and then go do whatever you want. I find that this book is a book of pursuit. This book is a book. Now, yes, we're going to mess up. Yes, we're going to fall short. None of us are ever going to be perfect. Jesus was the only perfect one that ever lived. Yes, we're going to. But this book that I read is a book of pursuit that every single day of my life, I should be striving to be more and more like Jesus. But too many people just stop there. Some go as far as Bethel. They catch the vision of God's great work, which must be, done, must be done. They see needs. They feel the tug. But they never really get past the place of dreaming about what they might do. Oh, how many people have been in a youth camp, in a camp meeting, in a revival service, and they kind of they feel that tug. They're just like, God's tugging on them. You know, ah, you know what? I do need more. There is more. I need a pursuit. Just like Jacob, he had that dream there, and, and he saw the angels coming and go. He saw there was more. He saw, and many people will do that, but sometimes some people just settle in and they stay right there. Still others hold on to their Jericho. They live in the victories of yesterday. They remember what happened back there, forgetting that the same God who blessed them is desiring to bless now. Folks, and I tell you, I cannot live on yesterday's victory. I'm thankful. I truly mean that. I'm not just getting up here and giving you some kind of preacher talk and just trying to hype the crowd. I, well, I mean that. As we sang that, all my life he has been faithful. I mean he truly has. There has never been a point in time 
where God has left me. Has he led me through the fire? You better believe he has. Has there been tough times? Absolutely there has. But there has never been a time where he's not been good to me and faithful to me and taking care of me. And I, I truly mean that. God has walked with me everywhere that I've been. I could stand here and I could tell you things that God has done and how he's provided and made a way and brought me up out of, out of a pit and how he's blessed me time and time again and how he's blessed churches that we've been at. But I cannot live on what he's done yesterday. I can't just sit down and thank God for what he did 10 years ago and just live in the past. Thank God for the past. And I know y'all going to get sick of hearing me saying this, but that's all right. This 122, we are going to celebrate. Thank God for what he has done in the Starkville Church of God in 100 years. We're going to celebrate it. We're going to remember it. But we ain't about to camp out in it. We're going to move on and believe that the same God that did it in the past 100 years is able to do it in the next 100 years. As many miracles as he did in the past, he is able to do even more in the future. God is not finished. God still has more. Amen. Give God praise if you believe it. Then some come to the Jordan. This is the barrier between the self-life and the spirit life. Few ever take the final step of faith and sell out to go with God all the way. Notice that of all the prophets, only Elisha had enough faith to cross the river and to go with Elijah. And it was Elisha who received the double portion. Don't you allow the opportunities to settle you down along the way and hinder your progress, but by faith proceed with God and watch him remove the barriers. It was 50 by the time they got there, wasn't it? It was 50 of them there. Yes. Look, they said, we, your servants, have 50 able men. There were 50 of them there. 50 of them. And these dudes were called prophets, weren't they? This company of prophets, they would not cross. It was only Elisha. Now, I'm going to stop right here and let you know this. When I preach this, I realize that not everybody is truly going to take hold of this. Not everybody is going to be willing to completely and totally sell out to what God wants for their life. But I preach it, and I preach it, and I preach it, and believe that there's going to be somebody. There's going to be somebody that says, I must have more. I must follow him wherever he wants me to go. And we find that he did obtain. Elisha watched Elijah's miracle. He watched as he hit the water, they crossed over. He kept his eyes on him and he watched as Elijah was taken up into heaven. What happened? I believe that it was a rapture experience. I don't have near enough time to dig into this, but I'll just let you know if you never heard me say this personally, 
I believe that Enoch and Elijah, the two people the Bible tells us were raptured that never died, are going to be the two witnesses talked about in the book of Revelation. And, and that's for another day and another time. But Elijah, the miracle happened. Elisha witnessed this rapture. And because of that, he received what Elijah said he would receive, what Elisha had asked for, that double portion. And the Bible said that the mantle fell out of the sky and Elisha then took up Elijah's mantle and because he stayed by the man of God he was given this mantle this, this sheepskin garment was the tangible sign that Elijah's ministry had been handed down to Elisha in other words because he refused to be distracted or sidetracked Elisha got exactly what he asked for he inherited the ministry of his master now please I know that we are in this day that we just like to talk about grace 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 gooey gushy grace just do what you want to do and God's going to love you and forgive you and everything but listen I want you to look at this if you really want to pursue God and you want more of God I'm telling you you can miss it Oh, you ain't going to hear much preaching about this. I'm telling you that if you really want all God has for you, if you're not careful, if you get distracted, you can miss what God has for you. You see, those who pay the price to stay with the Lord and go with Him through every difficulty and obstacle will see Him do the unexplainable time and time again. See, God is calling you to pick up your mantle. What happened here? Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, his anointing. Well, we find in the life of Elijah, there are 14 miracles recorded in Scripture, causing the rain to cease for three and a half years, being fed by ravens, the miracle of the barrel of meal and the cruise of oil, the resurrection of the widow's son, calling a fire from heaven on the altar, then turning around and causing it to rain. There was the prophecy that Ahab's sons would all be destroyed. Number eight, the prophecy that Jezebel would be eaten by dogs. Number nine, prophecy that Ahazi would die of his illness. Number 10, calling fire from heaven upon the first 50 soldiers. Number 11, calling fire from heaven upon the second 50 soldiers. Number 12, parting the Jordan. Number 13, prophecy that Elisha should have a double portion of his spirit. And 14, being called up to heaven in a whirlwind and in a chariot of fire. 14 biblically recorded miracles in the ministry of Elijah and Elisha said I want the double portion of what you had and folks let me just tell you isn't God good when he promised he'd have it he'd have it because there are 28 recorded miracles number one parting of the Jordan number two healing of the waters number three curse of the she bears number four filling of the valley with water number five deception of the Moabites with the valley of blood number six miracle of the vessels of oil number seven prophecy 
prophecy that the Shunammite woman would have a son. Number eight, resurrection of the Shunammite son. Number nine, healing of the gourds. Number 10, miracle of the bread. Number 11, the healing of Naaman. Number 12, perception of Gehazi's transgression. Number 13, cursing Gehazi with leprosy. Number 14, floating the axe head. Number 15, prophecy of the Syrian battle plans. Number 16, vision of the chariots. Number 17, smiting the Syrian army with blindness. Number 18, restoring the sight of the Syrian army. Number 19, prophecy of the end of the great famine. Number 20, prophecy that the scoffing nobleman would see but not partake of the abundance. Number 21, deception of the Syrians with the sound of chariots. Number 22, prophecy of the seven-year famine. Number 23, prophecy of Ben-Hadad's untimely death. Number 24, prophecy of Hazel's cruelty to Israel. Number 25, prophecy that Jehud would smite the house of Ahab. Number 26, prophecy that Joash would smite the Syrians at Aphek. Number 27, prophecy that Joash would smite Syria thrice but not consume it. But here's what happened. After number 27, the man named Elisha had died. And it would seem at this point that God had somehow failed. I mean, that close. Many of us would say, oh, you know, that's close enough. I mean, he was only one short. That was 27 miracles, almost the double portion that God had promised to him. But aren't you thankful that God is not a God that is just a halfway God? He's not a God that's going to kind of quit toward the end. He's not a God that, no, I, the Bible tells me that he that hath begun a good work is faithful to complete that work. And we find in the book of 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 20, it said, Elisha died and was buried. He went to the grave with 27 miracles, but it's not over. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. One, once while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. You see, God was faithful. And that 28th miracle, that double portion, even though Elisha was dead, hey! God did not die with Elijah. God didn't die with Elijah. God made sure everybody knew that the anointing wasn't about Elisha. It was all about God and not about the man. And so God waited till after Elisha was dead to fulfill his promise to say the power is not in the man, but the power is in the God of heaven. I need you to hear me today. Startful church of God, I believe that God is not dead. He is alive and sitting on his throne. And in 2022, I believe that the God of Elijah, I believe the God of Elisha, the God that performed many miracles is still here today. And if you will follow him and pursue him with everything that's within you, he will fulfill his promises in your life and anoint you to do what he's called you to do. Give God praise if you believe that here today. Stand with me, if you will, please. God is still looking for people who will take up the mantle and believe him for the impossible. He's looking. He's looking for those that will follow him. Do you want a double portion 
in 2022? You see, it's interesting to watch the sons of the prophets. They see Elisha part the Jordan just like Elijah did. And they know the mantle has been passed to Elisha. They also know that Elijah has been taken away from them. Yet we find in Scripture that they were determined to go and look for him. It seems that these young men thought they needed Elijah to move on. But Elisha has encountered the God of Elijah. And when you have the God of Elijah, you don't need Elisha, Elijah any longer. How did Elisha receive the double portion? He asked for it. He was totally committed to it. You know, we preach these messages, sermons, whatever you want to call them. And, and I think sometimes maybe we make it seem a little bit too easy while we're here in this comfortable sanctuary and there had to be a determination on the part of Elisha if he truly wanted what God had for if he truly wanted this double portion there had to be a determination that he was sold out to say I will not stop until I receive what I believe God for listen I'm asking you here in 2022 on this very first Sunday do you want what God has for you? He has so much more, so much more than you or I could ever even imagine. But we've got to be willing to pursue it. We've, we've got to be willing to go some places. Got to be willing to go to Gilgal to have the flesh cut from our lives. To not walk and live in the flesh anymore, but live according to the power of the Spirit. We've got to be willing to go to these places. Allow God to take us to these places. Allow Him to take us to some Jerichos where He asks for some stuff. Where God requires some things from us. I'm going to get real old school, and I know it's 1157 and I'm just about done, but I'm going to get real old school on this first Sunday and just remind some folks of what I came up in and what I've come and I've seen all these years and what I've come to realize that if you want more of God and you want more of His anointing, you ain't going to be able to just live like everybody else. You're not going to be able to watch everything everybody does. Oh God, this is old-fashioned. You ain't going to be able to just listen to everything everybody does, talk the way everybody does, go every place that everybody else does. If you want more of God and more of His anointing and more of His Spirit, the plan hasn't changed. We've kind of tried to change some things up, but the plan is the same because the plan came from God and God is always the same. In a world where everything else changes, it's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm done. I need to stop talking because now I feel... I feel feel now is the time for us to pursue if you're here and I gave a very similar altar call last week but I'm going to give it again and I want to encourage you to come again as we stand here on the very beginning of this new year and you say I want all that God has for me in this new year would you come and just find a place you can kneel you can stand 
I'm going to try not to crowd around everybody and go around and get in everybody's face, but, but I do want you to just move from where you're at. If you say, I, I want more. I want what God has for me. I want this year, 2022, I want to be in pursuit of what God has for me. Come on. I know there's some here. I want you to just come. You can come and kneel. Kneel at these steps, these altars, these front benches. If you want to stand, if you want to sit, if you want to kneel, wherever you feel comfortable. I just want you to find a place. And I will ask you just not to, I mean, get with your own household. That's fine. But I will ask to just try not to get up in everybody else's face. But I want us to just pursue the Lord right now in the name of Jesus. Would you just begin to do that right now? Just begin to cry out to him. Just begin to call out to him and say, Lord, I want what you have for me in this year. I want to begin to pursue after you like I never have before. Maybe would you be so bold to say, I want a double portion. I want a double portion of your anointing. I want more of your anointing than I have ever had before. Or maybe it's not a double portion. You know, that's kind of easy for us to say. Maybe for Elisha, it was a step of faith, faith to say, I want a double portion. All these 14 miracles that Elijah had done, for him to step out and say, I want double that was a big step of faith. Maybe there's something that you need to step. Maybe it's not necessarily you just come up here and say, I just want a double portion. Maybe there's some stuff in your life that God is calling you to do. Maybe it's a step of faith that you need to take that the Lord has been dealing with you about. I want you to just give it to God and say, God, I want to see big things. I want to see big things in 2022. I want to step out on faith in 2022. I want everything that you have for me in 2022. I don't want this to be the same as it was last year. I want this. I want a fresh anointing. I want a new anointing. I, I I don't want the old wine. I want new wine that you have for me. I want a new anointing. I want a fresh encounter with you. Come on, just lift your hands right now and just begin to call out to him and say, Lord, I want what you have for me right now 